listening to the Charles Hoggers. Photographers, it's a music loving podcast, music loving people. We talk about albums, we rank them, we do that thing. Happy hour mini so It's happening right now with me, Evan Saudi, Taron O'Reilly, and special guest, and try talking for all star, Carmina O'Reilly. That was a lot harder to um, like yell joyfully in unison. Right. I don't know why. Well, it, it was harder to of a word to sustain. Right. Say. Also, isn't Ahoy the title of Punch Brothers album? Well, so. It's, it's it's the title of an EP, and then it is also the way that Chris Thiele starts every episode of Live From Here. He walks onto oh. the stage and shouts ahoy, and then the whole audience shouts ahoy back at him. Which I personally, when I was in the Live From Here audience, I started, oh, there was a pineapple under the skin. No, I don't do that. But I... Stop lying. <laughs> Stop lying. Uh, anyway, Nickel Creek, we talked about them, and we're going to talk a lot more about them in a Happy Hour Minnesota. It's a free-willing discussion, but the thing is, it's a Happy Hour Minnesota. We need to start with the thing we do at the start of every Happy Hour Minnesota episode, which is Friends... What is the worst Nickel Creek song? Not on Little Cow. Not on Little Not We don't get the we're not counting exactly. that. Doesn't, yeah. yeah. Not I mean, a fair discussion. And yet. the thing is, if we're doing that, then of course it has to be he will listen to you off of here to there. So that's just that's <laughs> so, just a yeah. fact. That's, that's just a fact yeah. of life. Yeah. Um yeah, or the hand song off of self title if we're gonna go that way. Eterran, Eterran. I actually, I, I don't, I don't mind it as much as uh, you do. I think I don't it's, either. I, I still think it's a like really pretty song. It's a pleasure to listen to. Actually, I don't me, think too hard about it. It might be brand new sidewalk. I was gonna call that you were gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> call in. I just, I, I uh, never mind. I, we already talked about it. I don't need to get. I into also it don't mind a brand new sidewalk. What's, what's your least favorite then? They're all amazing right. and flawless. I, I mean, honestly, seven there are ones I don't like as much. I love Seven Wonders. Um, I do too. I, don't. I understand why you don't. It's mm-hmm. a very specific type of listening. Yeah. And I will say Seven Wonders to me is the same vibe as Out of the Woods. And so I like Seven Wonders, but I always kind of wish Out of the Woods was on instead. I actually might say speak. <gasps> really? Very surprised. Because I'm not beginning to end. Like I'm not like, oh, I don't want to listen to sound. But there are parts where I'm like, why are you doing that? I get what you mean. It, yeah. is, it is a very interesting arrangement. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, it is certainly not a pop song. Mm-hmm. Right. It, 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 yeah, it switches back and forth between moods very, uh, not yeah. really jarringly. I think but it, it confuses me, honestly. <laughs> like, I Wait. I like it, personally. But again, we all, have, we all have, we all I like it too. Things, and yeah. that was another one where I wasn't super familiar with it before this week, and I was like, okay. Yeah. I appreciate what's I going on I like it when there. they click into pop song mode sometimes. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's enjoyable in that fashion. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, when Taryn and I were having this discussion just in general earlier, like, it might be my least favorite. I don't know that that makes it the worst. Right. Which, understandably. Whereas, like, Out of the Woods, Taryn said it was in his top 50. Out of the Woods is top 10 favorite songs for me. Uh, at all time, not of just all time. Creek. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, that's the top my top 10 favorite songs. For me. <laughs> not for necessarily the top for me, it's the same. I've ever heard. It's actually the same, except out of the woods by Taylor Swift. So that's just okay. you know, very different. 
Stop lying. I know what it's So, listen, the thing is, the biggest thing about this that we can talk about uh, their life, discography, career, go ahead. Well, I mean, the first thing that I just want to say out the gate is that the six albums we discussed for our main episode is just over four hours of music. However, I also, since we had to oh, wait for the physical copies to arrive, so we had a little longer of a lead up to this episode, I made a playlist of every recording the three of them have released and it was 32 hours long shit so they have released just like a ridiculous a metric amount. shit time i almost <laughs> joked that the ha- that the mini soda was going to be longer than the I mean, episode, but which like, is legitimately if we if we it's truly, all about fiction tr- family truly talked about all of the albums yeah. that they had released, it would be insanely long because even Punch Brothers have put out five records on their own, right. and then like it's a Sarah distinct has entity three by solo yeah. records, and yeah, well, let's let's Sean has a ton of albums out too. Let's he put out three collaborative albums this year. Yeah, which is kind of insane. Dang, man. <laughs> I kind of want to talk about each of them just a little bit individually real sure, quick. Yeah. And I kind of want to go of the lines of, let's talk about Sean, then Chris, then Sarah. Uh, and Sean, he put out some albums. Cool. All right, so now let's go on to... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's yeah. not fair. Yeah, no. Actually, when, again, when I saw them with the, in their reunion tour... I had this moment of like, I haven't given Sean enough credit. <laughs> like, just so how he played? Or yeah, he, yeah, yeah, just like how he played. And I think like, like he actually like talked some. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Where, like you got to actually meet his personality. Yeah, exactly. Well, he also wrote some of my favorite songs by that. Absolutely. He wrote yeah. this side mm-hmm. and he, uh, I mean, he wrote Seven Wonders, which I know isn't your favorite, yeah. but um, I mean, he, he absolutely was a vital contributor well, I mean, yeah, he's one of the key of the band, but his solo career was interesting because, as you were noting, it was a lot more pop-rock-based. Like, it kind of, he went with that vibe of it. Well, at least during the 2000s, uh-huh. he did. And, you know, I think all three of them sort of have have dabbled and have then sort of moved back into their sweet spot. Yeah. Right. You know? I feel like they all needed to do a pop record at some point or another. And they're all so wildly different because I listened to uh, Deceiver, the Chris Neely album, which a lot of people cite as kind of like an experimental, like kind of art rock record on the mandolin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was surprisingly not palatable for me. Uh, it was it was a surprisingly like kind of kept me at bay kind of record, which is, I feel like a thing with Chris, you know, arguably such a prodigy, such a genius that like, I don't think there's anyone around necessarily to tell him no on some certain projects that he wants to well, do. Well, I, I also, he agrees with you. Yeah. He thinks that album was like a fun experiment he needed to get out. And he, I think he said in an interview, like three out of the 10 songs are successful, which I think I would agree with. I, I actually enjoyed a handful of the songs on there. Well, uh, one of the things that we watched this week was the documentary How to Grow a Band. Wait, can- stop. I'm oh. not done talking about Sean. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because... No, I, no, no, I want to hear more about No, that. well, because literally I, I think that he sort of gets a bad rep, even among Nickel Creek fans, not like that's, which isn't totally fair. I listened to the Fiction Family albums again this week. I had heard them before. Are they incredible? No. But I do think that When She's Near off of the first one is like a really fun pop rock song. He also has a couple uh, instrumentals off of his recent albums, his more recent albums that are like 
really fucking good. He has this one called Local Honey um, that came out in 2016, I think. And it is absolutely like, I mean, we've talked about he is a fantastic guitarist and it is on full display. And so, yeah, I think that there, you know, it's it's sort of sad to me almost to like see some of his streaming numbers because again, I don't think, I think the other two have like legitimately put out masterpieces and we'll get there. And I definitely wouldn't say that about his solo work, but he has individual songs that are really good. And I kind of wish that he got a little more credit for that. And quick shout out, I would highly recommend, I think in 2016, I believe that was the album All I Do Is Lie, I believe is that one, right? Uh, no, that was 2014. 2014. Uh, um, it was, um, uh, oh shit. What to Believe, I think? Okay. If, again, as we heard in the iTunes review, we're not always right. But uh, <laughs> the thing, I will say, though, I would highly recommend our former guest from our Billy Joel episode, Bryce Ezell, also our Radiohead episode. He did an interview with Sean around that 2014 mm-hmm. record. Uh, it was on Pop Matters. I reread it going into this week. It's fantastic. What Sit to down. fear? What to fear? Yes. Yeah. Please, I recommend just quit and do a quick type Bryce Ezell, uh, Sean Watkins. It's a fantastic interview. I highly recommend it. And that actually, the title track from that album is very much a scathing Fox News sort of um, song and I think for those politically minded of us again it's not like groundbreaking but it is I think it was very well written and well conceived um, and it's just nice to hear someone doing a bluegrass rock kind of sound talk about that didn't you mention that there was an interview where Chris noted that they were felt like they were out of place being quote unquote like more liberal leaning but making music that appeals to conservative mindsets. He, well, he was yeah. talking. I think he was talking about Punch Brothers because oh, okay. they. But I think that's true of Nickel Creek too. Is that you know these are they're artists. So generally, artists tend to skew more liberal for the most part, but they're making bluegrass music, which is mostly consumed by older conservative people, which I think is also part of why, you know, they talked about in How to Grow a Band trying to, you know, stay away from the term bluegrass because it doesn't really encapsulate the music that they're making. When you think bluegrass... Just because they're playing a mandolin and a violin, that doesn't necessarily... When you think bluegrass, that's not what you're going to get at a Punch Brothers show. So we love you, Sean. We really do. Uh, But we do need to transition into this because it's a fascinating point is that on the Punch Brothers debut album, Punch, which is highlighted a little bit in the documentary How to Grow a Band, there's a suite in there, a 40-minute suite in four movements that they do, which is, once again, much like Why Should the Fire Die, commenting a little bit about Chris's divorce and his feelings that he's kind of going through at that point. And they, there's a scene in the documentary where they're talking about how they're talking to the promoter. Can we not call it hot bluegrass? Because that has a certain connotation to it. Like it says on the billboard, hot bluegrass. And like, that is not right. what the fuck we do. What, like, what do you think of when you hear the term hot bluegrass? Yeah. And what band do you think of that plays those instruments but sounds absolutely nothing like that? Like, right. So can they change it? <laughs> like, they wanted to call it chamber bluegrass, which is honestly more accurate in terms well, of... Well, no, I don't idea. think they liked that term either. Yeah. They were like, if they're going to call it bluegrass, can we at least use the word progressive? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's why I, again, I'll say it again, I don't think, even even really for Nickel Creek, I don't think the, the term progressive bluegrass... Is applicable. ...really no. describes what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. You know? When they aren't doing the instrumentals, for the most part, what you're getting is is indie rock. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but and the th- it was just so fascinating because they performed this 40-minute suite at the top of their show to a silent audience, including a heckler that actually goes and says, you guys suck at one point. 
and like the ne- there's a scene in them in the van the next day, and I think it's the stand-up ba- no with the guitarist. Who's it was just the like, bassist. Oh yeah, the bassist who ended up leaving. Yeah, who's just like, hey guys, maybe we can break it out into sections because this is a hard sell for some people. And, well, because yeah. they were also starting to play shows before the album was even out, right? Which I think is a hard thing. You you always are going to enjoy a live performance of a song you know, maybe not always, but typically you're going to enjoy a live performance of a song you know more than a new song that you've never heard before. I completely disagree. Oh! I love. One of my favorite things to do is to see an artist I think I'll like but don't know yet live. Give examples, please. Um, Gus. Jonesy. Jonesy. Mm. Jonesy, yeah. actually. I didn't really know Seeger Ross, and I certainly didn't know his album and my friend was like come see this with me and i fucking like, sure. loved it yeah that's that's probably my best example yeah, that's kind of like us when we saw cops i mean for, uh, this is kind of <laughs> cheating but similarly i went to see sarah watkins live and i didn't really know her solo, solo stuff but this was after i saw the 20 the dotted line tour oh and i was like oh yeah she fucking kills it yeah i'll I'll go see her in this tiny theater in madison yeah i guess yeah i guess what i said isn't totally true but it depends on the quality of the song which i guess then is always the case yeah but yeah yeah. and and so and so i'm sitting here like i've also seen the punch brothers live and i didn't again that was another someone was like uh it was with taylor and mm-hmm. her sister, who has, like, met the Punch Brothers and, like, knows their music inside and out and is, like, a similarly talented musician. And I mean, not, like, on that level, but on that, like, breakdown of, like, sure. listens to music in, from this viewpoint of someone who understands the technicalities of music, which mm-hmm. is Punch Brothers to a T, right? Oh, like, completely. Um, I mean, that's who Punch Brothers is for. It, right. It's for music. They're musicians. So say, musicians. So I've seen yeah, them live, yeah. and, and you're telling us, I'm like, I want to see them play a 40 minute suite without stopping in a silent audience. Right. <laughs> but, and it, well, that's, I mean, that's great. And then some people who loved it. But like, when they're performing in Nashville, and it's like yeah. this group, and they're advertised as hot bluegrass, and it's an unknown entity, I fully understand. Yes. But that's also part of the reason why once the reviews started coming out and they were good, they're just like, the reviews are going to help us a lot because they're going to kind of clue people in right. as to what the style right. is. Right. Well, and I also think, again, they, they started doing this, you know, they played it for an audience that wasn't expecting that. Yes. If you're right, going in expecting true. hot bluegrass, even if you may conceivably in a different world mm-hmm. enjoy this 40-minute piece, you're not going to enjoy it because it's not what you were in the mood for. It's mm-hmm. not what you got yourself in the mood for when you got ready to go to the theater right. at night. Exactly. So, this is totally tangential, sure. but just like really funny story. Like After when we about. saw Hamilton in Madison. <laughs> Hamilton. I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> I could go on so many like tangents of Madison people seeing Broadway shows, but specifically Hamilton, Claire was like going to the bathroom at intermission and there was like this man like rushing out with his wife chasing after him and he goes, I thought this was a one man show. What? <laughs> Did he think it was what the constitution means to me? Is that what he thought he was going to I didn't know to? there was going to be rap. Oh, no. <laughs> his wife was like chasing behind him like, I told you what it was. Honey. And he just like did it. And we were like, you, you think it was going to be a one man show oh. talking about Alexander Hamilton? Like what? I just, don't know, man. Yeah. Anyway, that um, reminds me of like you're going in to see Hot Bluegrass and then you get Punch Brothers in yeah. the face. And that was like, that reminds me Punch of though on yeah. Punch Brothers' most recent album. I I forget, it's either the second or third song. There's an a section at the end of the song where Chris Thiele is rapping in a style <laughs> that 
reminds me a lot of Lin-Manuel, Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> and I almost have to assume it was inspired by... Yeah. Can they make out? <laughs> <laughs> make them kiss! <laughs> I mean... Uh, <laughs> well, okay. One thing, we didn't, one thing we didn't talk about, though, and I just kind of want to talk about in terms of Nickel Creek, is that the cover of the self-titled is so fucking weird to me. This fucking photoshopped in over a sunset photo of <laughs> so frost-tipped Chris in these fucking sweaters and shit. Like, I'm just like... And, and uh, Sarah has the little braids in yeah. her hair. And her sweater is, like, so, like... Absolutely. I know. Yeah. Just like, it's like, are, is this a bluegrass group or background extras for the OC? Like, I'm unsure. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, the, yeah. Sean on that album cover <laughs> 100% looks like he could have been on Dawson's Creek. Yeah. yeah. Like... With the the way his hair is done up, and again that sweater—it's such a specific style of sweater. Right. Yeah. But yeah. as as they noted, they changed the cover from the original thing, which is them in a warehouse, and there's like Chris kneeling, wearing or not even G- kneeling, yeah. crouching, crouching <laughs> with his mandolin with his fucking J Crew. Well, and also uh, Scott Feely was still in the band. Yeah. Um, right. And um, so then when they sold out the original pressing of the CDs and realized like, oh wait, this band might actually become something then they redid the album cover in nashville and then removed scott from the band as a member and like just credited him credited him on the songs that he played on Mm -hmm. like when he provided upright bass on the record but just like sort of remarketed them as a young band because obviously he was chris's dad which really changes the feeling of but, what you're getting as far yes. as... Yeah. So I just, I think that's a fascinating little detail that mm-hmm. even up to, like... The original the pressing. Original yeah. pressing and release of the self-titled Scott was still in the band, and then they were like, wait, we can actually make a thing out of this. If and we so get rid of him. Even funny. though they are ignoring the hot dad nut contingent of the market, oh so there's that. Uh, but real quick, <laughs> Chris Feely... <laughs> You heard it here first. So, uh, but Chris Dealey's uh, different works and other things. You did the deep dive into Punch Brothers this week. Yeah, well, I mean, I did a deep dive into... Every- when I said that I made a 32-hour playlist of everything they um, released, I then listened to almost all of it chronologically. I had to skip some of Chris Dealey's, like, boutique um, <laughs> classical records... I actually have. I have the one he did of the box sonatas, which is actually quite. I mean, quite it's, good. they're incredible. If that's yeah. if that's what you're in the mood for, yeah, it's it it's great yeah. music. It's just I, it's not. I was in bluegrass mode this week, right? It was a, it's a little bit. I wasn't those records are a little bit rigid. I understand. <laughs> Unlike I mean, Goat Rodeo, which is a different thing. Were you in hot thing. bluegrass mode or progressive bluegrass? Oh, were you mode? in cold bluegrass or, mode or Indeed. or chamber bluegrass chamber mode? <laughs> no, yeah. What flavor? No, but the, then, then you, even some of the sort of more niche albums that he put out, like in, I think it was 2003, he put out a duets album with another like virtuoso mandolinist. And the whole album is just two mandolins going back and forth. And there's actually a couple pieces on there where, again, as a music nerd, if you really like some of the Nickel Creek instrumentals, it's it's in a similar vein. And there were a couple pieces on there where I was like, this is fucking fantastic. Yeah. I think the album's called Into the Cauldron, something like that. But definitely, like, if oh, you... Oh, well, that's when he lost his name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, cauldron. <laughs> if you're, I mean, if you're, like, a, huge, a Nickel Creek super fan, I definitely think it's, it's worth the listen. 
Um, but you said there was, I mean, and I listened to a little bit this, some of the streaming numbers on fucking Punch Brothers are amazing. Oh, well, yeah. that's, yeah. the Punch Brothers as an entity are a fascinating, um, they have a fascinating arc, because as we discussed, they started with a 40-minute instrumental piece with, and then that album has like four other songs on it that right. aren't part of that. My understanding of Punch Brothers is that it was kind of like, hey, we're all really fucking talented. Let's do some stuff together. It was also, hey, we're all really talented and in a bad place right now. Right. And, and so, then it became like, oh, people like us. Well, they also just <laughs> had so much fun working together. Yeah. Like, they, I think they originally got together as like session musicians for um, a Chris Thiele album and then liked working together so much that they yeah. were like, let's evolve this. But yeah, they, I, I feel like they took a second to lock into their sound, but their third and fourth albums, um, Who's Feeling Younger Now and Phosphorus and Blues are both fantastic. And those are the ones I know. There's the a best, couple, yeah. the, the opening song on um, the third one, Movement and Location, absolutely reminds me of like Radiohead when they're feeling real experimental. Well, um, isn't it? Well, isn't it the four, uh, the third or the fourth album where they actually do the cover of Kid A, the studio? That's record. the third one, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is actually quite lovely. Which is actually, yeah, right. I mean, that's who would think to do that to right. take this weird, burbly, electronic instrumental that Radiohead put out and to do a cover of it on all strings instruments and just hearing the violin imitate the sounds of these like weird studio yeah. effects. It's, it's not my personal favorite thing to listen to. It's again, as a music nerd, just hearing the way that they took this sound and arranged it is really cool. Mm -hmm. But then there's also a couple, I would almost go so far as to say phosphorescent blues is a masterpiece. Oh, wow. I've only heard it a couple times because I literally just listened to it like a, a week ago for right. the first time. But it is really, really fucking good. Mm -hmm. It's produced by T-Bone Burnett. Mm -hmm. Which um, who did, of course, the Old Brother soundtrack among a, a lot of many other things. things. But right, yeah, yeah, it is. It is truly a great, great album. Yeah, that's another one where I'd say if you're a fan of Nickel Creek and you haven't listened to that, it's part of the MCU, right? But then the other thing that honestly I think the biggest surprise this week was Sarah Watkins' career post Nickel Creek because mm -hmm. her first album it was produced by John Paul Jones of motherfucking Led Zeppelin. Uh, right. Well, he was in two, a super group with Sean and Sarah yeah. before that. Right. Called the Mutual Appreciation Society. No, that's oh. a different one. Yeah. Uh, Works Progress Administration. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> a terrible name. <laughs> Just the worst Technically fucking Technically a name. super group, but I... I mean, there were multiple very well-known musicians in it. But um, is it super? I mean, I didn't really like I it. I remember... But <laughs> oh my god, then there was that one... I just remember that one super group that happened. It was Mick Jagger, Josh Stone... R.A. Rahman from the fucking uh, Slumdog oh, Millionaire soundtrack yeah. fame, yeah, and uh, someone else. But I'm just like, oh, that's a mix of people. <laughs> I think it was that called Super like Tiger or some be... shit. Sometimes like that. they just want to have fun. This might yeah. shock you. I don't think they're active anymore. But, uh, <laughs> so yeah, she had her debut, which you said was kind of very in the pocket for her. Which well, is, yeah, yeah, it was very much her like continuing in sort of the style that you would expect from her yeah. and that was it, it was um you know she went back to most of the vocals were sort of gentle 
a lot of the songs were written and performed on ukulele. And so like, I liked it. Um, there's a couple songs on it that were that were fun. Um, but then in comparison, her second album is just like an explosion of joy. I listened to that. Like, it's kind of quote unquote her pop album, but it was just still in her style. You could tell she was breaking, branching out from what she had done previously. Yeah. And it was fucking awesome to hear. It mm. really, really was. It was so bright and a uh, full of color and texture and just yeah and then um by the time i got to her 2016 album i had listened to a ton of i'm with her and watched a lot of performances on live from here and mm-hmm. so i had seen her cover the likes of aretha franklin and solange and like sing and one sing like the highest like belt out the top harmony vocal on some of the arrangements with of I'm with her and I was like I feel like even even on her her second album the vocals were a little stronger but she, I never saw her wail like right. I had seen her do in some live performances and then the first song on I think it's called yeah Young in All the Wrong Ways yeah it was the title track and it just opens with a big rock power chord and she's singing the shit out of it. And I was like, thank God. Yeah. I was like, thank God. Because I was I was getting to the point where I was like, why is this nowhere in your discography? Right. And so that's when I saw her live. I think. Was on that tour? Yeah. There's some that where, is that, great um, songs is that on that long, album. Is Long Hot Summer Day on that one too? That's actually from her first one. Oh, I love that song. Yeah. <laughs> I love singing it. I loved watching her sing it. Um, and so... But, uh, I'm with her. It's her and the great Sarah Droz and and uh, Eva O'Donovan. Eva, I can I can never say her first name. Um, yeah, yeah. I think so. The, the Eva later later uh, sings on the second Goat Rodeo album too. The first Goat Rodeo. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is from 2011. That <laughs> was should be taken. That was Chris Thiele, um with Yo Yo Ma and yeah, Edgar Meyer, and that it's very much bluegrass. That one wasn't my favorite. Yeah. There's again. There's like a couple fun things on there, but um. But yeah, these are, so Aoife O'Donovan um, has been in, like, I'm sure they have known her for a long time, because I think her first album with her band was in, like, 2006 or mm-hmm. so, and it's, again, very much that progressive bluegrass indie rock style. Totally sidetracked. What were we talking about? Oh, I'm with her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so they, like, all three of them got, like booked at a festival to like do a panel and they like put together some songs for that and then just loved working together so much that they were like let's be a band well when you showed me that cover they did of harmony hall by vampire weekend hannah hunt hannah hunt sorry one of those hh yeah one of those hh songs (laughs) by fucking vampire weekend Um, fucking band yeah the way they clicked no but the way they clicked in vocally yeah together seamlessly mm. without a single thing out of place. It I was mean, that's the, striking. That's the the theme here with all three of the musicians from Nickel Creek, right? Is that like you can tell by their other work that they are clearly wonderful to work with. Mm-hmm. Right. Game for pretty much anything. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and just like very talented technical mu- musicians who love music. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And other people who also feel the same way, right. yeah, just have, like love working with them. Yeah, and that's you. You also, I've also was reading through like Sarah Watkins has 
played violin on like albums for a ton of different random people. Right, yeah. You're like, oh, that's so fun that she knows them. Yeah. yeah. You she's know? A very, she's a working yeah. artist. Yeah. Well, I think it was even funny, even on the description for their YouTube when they did their uh, Tiny Desk concert for NPR, I think uh, Bob Boyland talked about how like every single one of these members has been on Tiny Desk individually yeah. as part of for a group other projects. or supporting yeah. someone else or right. just like doing all these things. And now it's nice to have them all together as Nickel Creek. Also, yeah. it was funny. They landed on um, I'm With Her like a full year before the Hillary campaign started using it. And then they were <laughs> Which like... Which is so weird because like I see that and I'm just like, it's oh, it's a Hillary-based band. Like that's like all I can think of. Which I know isn't fair, but like that's yeah. just the connotation that I right, had when right. it came out. Because then their debut album come out in 2018? Yeah, but they recorded it in 2016. Whoa. And then delayed it because they all had solo records they were already producing. But essentially they... They had released their solo records, and then Sarah DeRose won Grammys for hers. Uh-huh. And they were like, oh, you should probably promote that a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Go on tour as a solo artist yeah. before we try to, like, do this band thing. Mm-hmm. So they, yeah, they pushed their album release back a couple years. Which is also, I watched a whole, they have, like, an um, hour and a half House of Blues performance on YouTube. I watched it. It's fantastic. And I think their their album for me was very good but didn't quite click for most of the songs. I'd say it was about half and half, but then watching them perform them live, I was like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Absolutely. The singles were better than the album. Well, they've also put out like six or seven affiliated singles that Mm -hmm. didn't end up on the record, many of which are covers. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're all, I mean, that's another thing that you can say throughout all three of their careers is that when they cover a song, they transform it and make it their own, and they're completely unafraid to tackle songs from other genres right. and do it in and their own style. And known in the love songs. Right. right. Yeah. 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 So, Karita, I need to ask you, how many times have you seen Nickel Creek and Nickel Creek-related projects live? I think five? Five. Okay, yeah. walk us through. Because there was the first one, the first one I seen was Nickel Creek at your was college. Nickel Creek, so that would have been 2005. Okay. And then there's a gap, and, and then I saw Nickel Creek in 2014. Mm-hmm. Did I you s- prefer one performance over the other? No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I could say that, because I think they both, I mean, this is another band where, like, they're older than me, but, like, not a ton, and I think they both, like, met me where I was at the time, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like... Imagine listening to those first three albums we talked about, like, the maturity and the angst, but, like, also the angstiness and, like, that at 18 right. in your first semester in college. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, you can't really compare it to that. Right, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> True. Um, but then, like, I was I had waited for so long for the 2014, to, you know. Right. Um, so, yeah, so those two, and then, I don't know the exact years on these, but saw Sarah Watkins at High Noon Saloon in Madison, and saw Punch Brothers... I think, yeah, I saw Punch Brothers twice, like a two or three year span. Okay. I think both in Chicago. Did you enjoy them? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. The first time I saw Punch Brothers, I didn't know their music at all. Mm. It it was, again, it was like a Taylor was like, hey, come on, this is like Christina's band, like other bands. And I was like, yeah, sure, of course. And then I was like, oh, I love them. So, yeah. That's awesome. The one thing I learned this week is that I now know what Chris Dealey looks like during sex. Because we watched this one video of Live From Here. He's playing with a band called Wolfpack, which I haven't really given much of a shit about. But they're doing this one, like, instrumental song, which is a very bass-heavy. And, and it is truly incredible. Shit. Like, there's a reason yeah. this is 
one of the most viewed videos on the Live From Here channel is because yeah. it's like all every musician on stage is just absolutely killing it. Nice. But it's very jazzy and so yeah. there's a lot of like improv and yeah. an improv that they're clearly doing but like playing off of each other and still working in harmony. Yeah. Like it's really, really cool. But Chris is making every possible face you can. <laughs> Tongue out, wagon side to side, eyebrows arched into it. Like it's just like you, you could have this full on like head moving back and yeah, forth. Yeah, yeah. It's fully like, what you yeah. expect from a theater major. You know, like it's just <laughs> like every it's like every possible face I'm going on. And like literally I'm just like, this is his O face. Like I can't imagine anything else. <laughs> happening right now because it's just and the thing is he just feels the music so great and even when you showed me that Hannah Hunt clip of mine from her like he's in the background just like just like charged like, like hugging himself his chest yeah. and just grinning yeah. yeah and like when they hit a high note he's just like oh my god and like it's just so fantastic well, I think I cut myself off in the regular episode from being like he gives me such slut vibes and coming from me that is not derogatory in any way right but like Listen. From, from that lie, the guys like me never sleep alone. And then when I heard him b- first, like, explain and then sing Magnet live, mm. I was just like, you, like, you think about what it'd be like to fuck everyone in the room, every room you're in. <laughs> I I don't want to just put expectations out there, but since there's a remote chance that the band might hear our episode, Christelia, I want your next solo album to be called Slut Vibes. So I, just, I don't know. I don't know if we can influence that. It's either that or release here to there. Either right. one of the two I mean, things. Like, if one of those two things happens, yes. I would be a satisfied I'd individual. Be, yeah, either one. Yeah. I mean, he's just married like, again now. I, yeah. You can be a married slut. Yeah, listen. Well, I'm not married, listen. But, yeah. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> um, I mean, as we as we all know, Thomas Middleditch from fucking uh, Silicon Valley. He's right. like swinging saved his he's marriage. He's now the he's now the king uh, swinging. The poster boy for swinging. Yeah, even though his wife didn't know it at the time, and he kind of sprung it on her. But whatever, that's its own separate sexual nightmare. Uh, mm, anyways, this is a different podcast. Also, sexual nightmare. Good name for Chris Kelly Solo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, mean, I would just follow that up to say that, like, one of the reasons I get those vibes is that, like, I heard Magnet and was like, I feel that way. Like, it's definitely, like, a takes-one-to-no-one situation. But. Understandably, yeah. Any other thoughts? Any other projects, experiments, other things that strike out? I mean, I, I, we moved on, but I just, I kind of want to gush about I'm With Her for another second. That's fine. Yes, Because I, we were supposed to be doing research on Nickel Creek this week. I think I did approximately as much much research and watching performances of I'm With Her. I am just absolutely so in love with them and the way that those three women work together and write songs together, but also the way that they arrange covers. Like every, like literally everything they've released so far has just been fantastic. And their live performances are even better consistently. Like, I've, every time I'm like, wow, they're they they're giving even more into the like the vocal performances and the harmonies are always absolutely perfect, and it's like it made me want to go back and explore all of their solo careers because I just I am enraptured with them right now. Yeah. You are with yeah. her. I yeah, I'm with her. Yeah, and I it, like on the one hand, while I love Nickel Creek so much, and I really want them to put out another album because a dotted line is so good. I mean, obviously, we put it at first place. Yeah. And if this is the place you can be in together as adults, like, I really want to hear what the next one might sound like. But also, Punch Brothers are doing great. I'm With Her is doing great. We understand your business. Sarah Watkins 
solo albums are fantastic. So like, if you just keep doing what you're doing, I won't be mad. But also, yeah. please make another album. Yeah. Right. And or, like, maybe re-record some of your older stuff. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, a remaster. And call it will. Sexual Nightmare. We've been over this. Nickel <laughs> Beat Sexual, sexual Nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know what? That will undo all of the issues I have with the first... No. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, we've determined Little Cowpoke should be tried at The Hague, and basically we want this will undo all those things, if you can do that. Uh, seriously, though, they are fantastic. It's been a hell of a journey for me, especially, having had no knowledge jumping yeah, in. Yeah, that's really doing all this extra research. I'm like, I'm still listening to the Nickel Creek albums. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to get, like, a firm hold. Which is fair. Yeah. I did too much research. Yeah. I, I'm like, I did not have to go this hard, but I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been a journey, and I've loved it, and I've also loved having Karita O'Reilly here in studio talking about it with us. Yay. Thank you so much for taking the time and jumping into it's it with us. It's been lovely, and I have homework to do now, so. Yeah. Right? <laughs> exactly. That thing, you have uh, 32 hours of Nickel Creek and Nickel Creek affiliated music to catch up on. <laughs> yeah, man. If you want that playlist, <laughs> make sure you email us at thechartographers. <laughs> Find us on Twitter and Facebook, all the places. Leave a review if you feel like it. You know, whatever, how many stars you feel like. That's great. Ten? Is that a thing? Sure, make it happen. Yeah. Uh, but most importantly, thank you all so much for listening. We really do appreciate every single one of you. And also, uh, thank you for keep on listening because you know it will be good one, everybody. Good everybody. Good. Ahoy. 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 Is that a goodbye? Goodbye. Aloha. Good ahoy. All right. (laughs) Bye.